And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Natai Gauthier. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. I really appreciate you stopping by and uh, checking out this week's episode. If you're a newcomer to the show, then welcome to the Pipeline Show. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. And of course, those of you who have signed up to be a patron, huge thank you to you. I can't do the show without the support of my patrons. If you'd like to become a patron, get early access to all the content and interviews that you hear here on a full episode of the Pipeline Show. You can get those segments individually, usually the same day that the interview is done. A lot of these that you're hearing this week would have been on um, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sometimes they're on Mondays. The show doesn't come out until Friday, but patrons get access to those interviews usually the same day that they're done, once I've edited it and put it all together. And to have perks like that, uh, it's 2 bucks a month US, and uh, you can sign up. On an annual basis, and you get a 10% discount off of that. So we're talking like 21 bucks a year. Now, that's in U.S. currency, depending on where you live. If you're in Europe, it would be different, obviously. If you're in Canada, it would be slightly different. But I can't stress how important the patrons are to this show. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. The program is brought to you by our title sponsor. That is, of course, Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can't win friends with salad. Three Edmonton and Ario locations to uh, pick up your beef jerky in Leduc and Spruce Grove and West Edmonton Mall. But if you're not in the immediate area and you want to get your hands on some and see your taste buds on some delicious beef jerky, go to their website. That is W-I-L-H-A-U-K, WilhawkBeefJerky.com. Tell them the Pipeline Show sent you. You heard about it on the Pipeline Show. I'm sure Trent would love to hear that. I got three guests for you on this week's episode, which is probably the shortest full episode of the Pipeline Show in about two months, as uh, we've had such a lead-up with the Western Hockey League team-by-team uh, -team previews. Last week was an over-two-hour-long episode as well, so this one will be shorter than usual. We'll probably do have more of these now as the season has uh, started, so we're, we're getting through the preview stuff. Still have college hockey uh, conference previews to get through, and we have one of those today. I'll tell you all about that at the end of this segment. But as always, we start with the news and notes. And unfortunately, this week's news and notes, pretty negative. There's a lot of crap going on in uh, the world of uh, prospect hockey right now. And it's not even prospects. Start at the NHL level with Mike Babcock. Hired this offseason by the Columbus Blue Jackets and uh, doesn't even get to coach a regular season game before he's uh, outstayed his welcome with the Blue Jackets. 
And very similarly, Kevin Constantine now suspended by the Western Hockey League for some conduct we really don't know the details of. Uh, he is the head coach of the Wenatchee Wild. I've asked around and, I, and I've heard some, it's not, it's definitely not firsthand because I haven't seen it or heard it personally. That would be firsthand. Secondhand, it's not the people I'm speaking with that were around the incident or incidents. Uh, it would be thirdhand. So you, you got to take that for a bit of a, for a grain of salt, I guess. But it sounds like it's um, more, it's not physical abuse of a player. It would be, I guess you would kind of term it verbal. It's more offensive language. Just things you can't say in 2023. And again, I don't know the specific details. I have spoken with a, a couple of people who are closer to the situation. I'll say that. And uh, hopefully, uh, I'll be, I thought I might be able to get one of those people on the show this week. But it just uh, didn't work out for this week's episode. Maybe next week. We'll see. Uh, but Kevin Constantine in some hot water with the Western Hockey League. And this is a guy who had a bit of a checkered past at the WHL level already as a head coach at his time with the Everett Silvertips. And I, I love the Western Hockey League, but teams are setting themselves up. They're just shooting themselves in the foot. They're taking on potential problems that they don't need to. The Lethbridge Hurricanes are in Edmonton this weekend for a couple of games. You know they made huge news, and the negative response was massive uh, when they hired Bill Peters as their head coach for this season. Now the uh, Hurricanes off to a good start. They're 2-0 to begin the early Western Hockey League season, but you know they're under the microscope. The public outcry when that was announced was huge, and I, I talked about it back when it happened. I have massive respect for Peter Anholt, the general manager. I just don't understand why you would invite that sort of distraction to your team, and hopefully nothing happens. I'm seeing something similar here today as I'm speaking with you. It's Friday. Earlier today, the Red Deer Rebels announced who their uh, uh, leadership group was or is for this season, and they've put the C on Kai Uchaz. This is a player who has a negative history in the Western Hockey League for verbally abusing and bullying a minority teammate when he was in Seattle. He was suspended by the league back then, and I understand second chances and all that. I, I saw Alan Caldwell on uh, Twitter. who I thought he put it very... Very succinctly. Second chances are great. Kai Utaz has a second chance. He's still playing in the league. Why do you make him captain? That, to me, is just inviting scrutiny. You can make a pretty good argument he's the best player on the team. He scored 50 goals last year. He didn't get drafted. There's a reason. NHL teams are getting pretty leery about having players on their rosters that have a past. Logan Mayu is probably the exception right now. I mean, talk about second chances. You go back to Mitchell Miller, who was drafted by Arizona, a month later was dropped by Arizona, sat out a complete year, came back, got a second chance by playing in the USHL, got a third chance by being signed by the Boston Bruins, who then, the public outcry was again so great, they dropped him. Now he's got a, th what, what am I up to, fourth chances? He's playing professionally in Europe. Oh, and wouldn't you know it, he's leading the uh, professional league in Slovakia in scoring right now with nine points in four games. How long until somebody over here decides to give him another try? Now, I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to throw stones when you're living in a glass house and all of that. I wouldn't want to be judged on my worst day either. So I do believe in second chances, but I also understand the public outcry in all of these situations, whether it's Mike Babcock being hired by Columbus or Kevin Constantine being hired in Wenatchee 
or Bill Peters being hired by the Lethbridge Hurricanes, or now with the Red Deer Rebels promoting Kai Uchaz to be their captain, their leader, the guy everybody else on the team is supposed to look up to. And before you say this is a CHL problem or a WHL problem, take a look at Bowling Green right now. The Falcons of Bowling Green, the hockey program, have suspended three players for an off-campus hazing incident. The coach has been suspended. And as a result of all of this and the culture around that team, their best player has moved on to a different program. He's left the team and he's now playing at Michigan Tech, which is the best team in the CCHA and a team Bowling Green is trying to catch in the standings. So you just lost your best player to a rival team for off-ice shit that in 2023 is just, I, I cannot get my head around hazing. The more I think about it, the more it drives me insane. How is this a team-building exercise? I know, I know, here's what our team needs. What we really need to do to come together as a group is single out three or four of our youngest players, verbally abuse them, or perhaps physically assault them, and that's going to be the key to our success. Somebody explain to me how that makes any goddamn sense. I don't get it. Be better. All right, that's uh, that's me on the soapbox. Whew, I got to calm down. Okay, a couple other things I wanted to mention. Uh, Mason Bullpit has been, uh, well, the, the wording from the Wenatchee Wild was, was strange. Caught me off guard. They reassigned him to a team in another league, which I didn't know you could actually do. Uh, Mason Bopit, who was a fourth-round pick of the San Jose Sharks all of 15, 16 months ago, he's a 2003-born player, so you can only have three of them on your uh, Western Hockey League team. The Wild still have too many. They've traded Tyson Nash to uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings and now have, uh, I guess, not outright released Bopit. I think they still hold his CHL playing rights. I would have to think if he was put on waivers, somebody would have claimed him, whether in the Western Hockey League or in the OHL or the Q. Uh, But he goes to the USHL. He's going to play for the Muskegon Lumberjacks. The only thing I can think of is that there's an October 10th deadline for the WHL, for all CHL teams to get down to their 20-year-olds. They're they're three 20-year-old players. And maybe they're thinking as teams shake those guys loose and kind of pare down their rosters, they might be able to find a taker for Mason Bopit, that being Wenatchee. So they hold on to his rights. It's the only thing I can think of, and that might be completely out to lunch. I don't know what the reasoning there is, uh, but I guess we'll see. We won't have to wait too long. A couple of weeks. Uh, and lastly, for uh, news and notes, Cole Eiserman, who is a top prospect for this year's draft, the 2024 draft, plays for the U.S. National Development Program, was originally slated to become a Minnesota Golden Gopher this time next year. He has uh, reversed that commitment, which, you know, commitment, I think they got to change that word because the amount of times players are uh, changing that commitment and or teams are doing the same. What's less than a commitment? Temporary agreement? Tentative agreement? How about that? Anyway, he is going to go to Boston University. The BU Terriers look like they're going to be juggernauts here in the next uh, over the next two or three years. I think they were number one on the preseason poll at USCHO. Yes, they were. I just confirmed that. 17 first place votes for BU coming into the season. I'm pretty sure that College Hockey News had them in their uh, preseason top 10 as well. So this year and the next couple are looking pretty good for the BU Terriers. All right, that's all I'm going to do here in this opening segment. Uh, It's very early in the season, so I could tell you who the leading scorers are and what the standings are. But quite honestly, it's so early in the year. 
I don't know that those are particularly of interest at this point. So let's get to the meat of the show. All of my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Based out of Red Deer, Alberta, home of those uh, Red Deer Rebels, you can pick up your order. You can order online and then go pick up at the tap room in Red Deer or at the Farmer's Market in Calgary or the Farmer's Market in Edmonton. Now, if you're not in one of those three centers, what do you do? Well, you go to any of your Alberta location liquor stores, and if they don't have Troubled Monk in stock, request it because they definitely can bring it in for you. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop. See what Troubled Monk has to offer right now because it, it fluctuates. It changes. They have some of the regulars like Daycation and the Pesky Pig and the Golden Gates and some of the uh, spirits and the uh, soda like Saskatoon Berry Soda. But then they have seasonal stuff that uh, only comes out you know, for two or three months and then they, ship, they, they swap that out for something new. So go to troubledmonk.com slash shop and see what they have to offer right now. As I mentioned, three guests for you today, and uh, we're going to start in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. The head coach of the Bonneville Pontiacs is Mario Pouliot, and if that name sounds familiar, it's for good reason. This is a coach who dominated the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, about five years ago, winning back-to-back Memorial Cups, and he did that with two different teams, with uh, Acadie Bathurst and Roy Naranda. Well, last year he moved out to Bonneville, and... Uh, he has recently signed a two-year extension, so we'll, we'll talk to him about the decision-making process, how he ended up in Bonneville in the first place, what he likes about the league, how it compares to the queue, living in Bonneville, and a lot more. So we'll start the, uh, the show this week off with uh, Mario Pouliot. Now, I had that conversation with him on, I believe it was Tuesday. They played two games since then. So in that interview, you'll hear him talking about going down to Calgary for the AJHL Showcase. Well, those games have now happened. Uh, they went 0-1-1 in those two games, so they were 2-2 two and two to start the year. They're now 2-3-1 and one, and have fallen down the standings a little bit. I'm just telling you that right now so that when you hear that interview, you're not confused. After Coach Pouliot, it'll be Ryan Sykes from Flow Hockey as we get a USHL preview. The Fall Classic went last week in Pittsburgh, and Ryan was there. We'll talk to him about what he took away from that tournament and who he expects to hear Big things from this year, both teams and players to keep tabs on. And then, as I mentioned, we're going to preview an NCAA conference. This week, it's the CCHA. My guest is Jack Hittinger from USCHO. And, of course, Bowling Green is in that conference, so we talk a lot about that awful situation right now, how that affects the uh, the power structure in the conference, especially with uh, Bowling Green's top player bolting and going to Michigan Tech. I think you'll enjoy that segment a lot. Lastly, before we get going, a reminder, you can hear the Pipeline Show on Saturdays at noon and Monday nights at 8 p.m. at edmontonsportstalk.com. It is the same as what you're hearing right now. My weekly episodes come out at thepipelineshow.com 99% of the time on a Friday. But if you happen to be driving around in your car, you're listening in your office or something like that, and you're listening to Edmonton Sports Talk, because you can, you can live stream it in your car, you can... uh, Play it on your computer if you're in your office. But if you're doing that on a Saturday afternoon or a Monday evening, you might hear the Pipeline Show. All right, let's get going with the program. Mario Pouliot from the Bonneville Pontiacs. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. Second unit on. Divine centering. Tim 
Score! Rieger Lorenz, first collegiate goal, 1-0 Denver. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Done. Buddy, want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here. Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her. Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me? Who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky, too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Will Hawk beef jerky. Because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hi, everybody. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and you can get it throughout Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. In this segment, as we kick off another week here on the program, we're going to be looking at the Alberta Junior Hockey League and specifically the Bonneville Pontiacs, who are off to a 2-2 two and two start as I'm speaking right now. They've got two games uh, in rapid succession this week at the Alberta Junior Hockey League Showcase. Uh, and so exciting times. We are uh, pleased to bring in the head coach of the Pontiacs. That would be Mario Pouliot. Coach, welcome to the program. How are you? Pretty good. Yourself? I- I'm doing well. Uh, it-, it is a-, a busy stretch of games for you this week. You played last weekend, and you got two midweek games uh, this week. Where is the showcase this year? Uh, it's going to be in uh, Calgary. So for us, we're going to have uh, a game tomorrow night against Blackfalls. And we have uh, so the second one's going to be on Thursday night uh, against... Um, Great Valley. Uh, Drayton, sorry about right. it. Yeah, so it's going to be two, two back-to-back game and a showcase. It's always a good opportunity for uh, all the players to showcase themselves to... Uh, to school, so it's going to be important for us to just stay away from uh, those distractions. We have to focus on uh, our team first, then to to improve uh, our game. So far, we have some good moments, but uh, in, in the other end, we we have we're not playing the way we want to play. It's early in the season; it's a kind of a process too. So. It's kind of uh, we want to, and we know we're going to face uh, two really good teams, Black Falls, or having kind of the same uh, record than us, two and two, but it's a team uh, they are supposed to be in the top of the standing this year. So it's kind of for us is to focus on ourselves to improve uh, our game, being more consistent uh, offensively and uh, be play better on the defensive side of the puck. What are your expectations for your team this season? Well, it's kind of we have high expectation. Last year we started building something interesting uh, with uh, uh, with uh, all the, the players uh, last year and we, we end up losing in the uh, division final. So it's kind of uh, for us this year we want to compete to win our last game. So it's kind of a, it's high expectation. I really like our team potential, but now we, we need time to gel together as a team and to play a, a really good the 200 feet uh, 
game and being all on the same page. Uh, no, we, we are not there yet, but it's, it's all about the processes. We have some uh, objective for the uh, upcoming uh, showcase. So we're going to focus on that and uh, making sure we're going to have a high compete level and uh, play uh, a really good uh, game uh, the, the next two games. Uh, I'm looking at your roster, and next to uh, all, the, all of the rookies, there's an asterisk, and that's about half of your team. There's a lot of turnover from last year's yeah. roster, and, and that takes a lot of time for a team to, to come together and play as a, a cohesive unit. Is that something that you're still trying to get together for for the guys? Training camp certainly helps with that, but do you think there might be a you know a, a period yeah. where where it takes a little time? Well, I, I agree with you. We, we we just need time because kind of training camp, it's very, very different than the, the regular season. And during training camp, we went uh, 5-0 and we did pretty good, but we're not kind of facing full team was probably kind of half of team we were kind of uh, facing during the, the training camp. But when you hit the regular season, Kind of now you, you face the real team and the, the pace is higher, everything is higher, and now you play for the the two points. So we need just and it's like uh, I'll say because it's just my second year in the AJHL mm-hmm. and it's the way it works in the AJHL. So every year, kind of you have a lot of new uh, players. Even we still having twelve returning players. So I do believe it's a it's a really good number. But we we have a lot of kind of a half team, kind of a new players. So they have to learn uh, how to use their strength at the AG level, at the AJ uh, levels. Kind of it's and especially this year, it's a really competitive league and a lot of parity. If you look uh, since the start of the season, everyone is able to beat uh, every everyone. So you have to to be ready. For every game and no easy game there, so that's gonna help us to to gel uh, as quickly as possible and to to learn how to use our strength in the AJHL to be a kind of a successful team. And we we like our team, we like our team potential, but now we are just kind of working to uh, get uh, our game uh, at the level we we want, but. We, we need time, and it's kind of players need time to figure it out, too. And most of them was kind of uh, having maybe an offensive role in their past team. And now this year, it's kind of with 25 players. There's a lot of uh, movement uh, in and out. So it's going to take time to uh, to figure it out, who's going to fit uh, well and doing well, and uh, we'll see from there. Mario Pouliot is the head coach of the Bonneville Pontiacs out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. He's my guest here on the Pipeline Show. It's a really impressive resume background in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. The only coach who's won back-to-back Memorial Cups for two different teams in, in back-to-back years like that. How different is Major Junior compared to the AJHL in your experience now that you have first-hand knowledge of both? Uh, honestly, not that much. Because I do believe uh, here the AJHL is all the players choose to come here because they want to play college hockey. Mm-hmm. So I do believe uh, here 
we have more than oh, 60 to 75 person guys being able to play at the CHL level. And those guys, kind of their expectation, they want to become kind of pro pro players, but they, they choose the college route first. Mm-hmm. So I'm really impressed by the league caliber. It's kind of a playing kind of high pace, a lot of good uh, skilled player, and it's kind of not a lot different than the uh, CHL for me because we are playing 62 games in the CHL. They are playing 68 games, and it's kind of uh, just because CHL, they, they didn't pick up the uh, college route, and air players choose to go school and for me it's kind of a really good route because some players need more time to develop and when you're choosing the the college route now you have kind of a seven years plan to work on it to develop to get at the pro level Mm -hmm. so if you compare to the chl so chl if you don't have kind of a a really good uh, 17 years old years, so your draft years. So after that, it's going to be tough to get at the next level uh, because after that, the the NHL scouts going to look at uh, younger players, and you need to be really good if you're not drafted before at 17 years old. After that, you you need to you have only three years to get at the the next level here. It's kind of if you're playing three years at junior A level. After that, you're gonna have four years to keep uh, improving and develop and being ready for uh, the pro level. Because if you look at the stat lately, 52 percent of the uh, college guy or play, playing at the college level, being undrafted. After that, they are kind of uh, having the chance to sign a pro contract and being able to play around 22, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, for me, it's a really good path, and you have more time to develop. And here, the, uh, the, the other thing is really different than the CHL. Here, this year, we don't have any guys going high school. So we have our players kind of 9.30 to 3.30. So we have all the time, nothing rush to work on the ice, off the ice with them and doing uh, one-on-one video, team video. So I really like uh, that part of the uh, AGHL too. Well, one thing that's certainly different from the Q or the CHL in, in general and the AJHL, no draft. It's all about recruiting uh, for the AJHL. Are you playing a role in that, or is that all uh, the ownership and management? No, it's more about kind of a Chad and Neil here. The both of them, they are associated GM, and they are doing a really good job to uh, bring a really good uh, players here. It's clear with kind of me with coming from the from Quebec so we have some Quebec guys wants to come here because they they know me mm-hmm. so it's help 
help a bit, but uh, it's more uh, all the credit to Neil and Chad. They are doing a great job on the re- recruiting side, and it's kind of the other thing different here is like in the CHL, you work more kind of on a four or five year cycle, but here it's kind of uh, every year is a new cycle. Say mm-hmm. last year we had a really good team. And we did uh, pretty good. We started building something interesting. So this year, we have kind of 50% uh, half of the team of new players. So it's usually this is going to be less than that in the CHL. But here is the way it works. So recruiting is a huge part of kind of the success, the the organization success. So that's another big difference from the CHL. There's a town about 20 minutes northeast uh, of Bonneville called Cold Lake. Uh, that That's where I grew up, so I know that area very, very well. Bonneville and Cold Lake have a, they're great rivals. It's like Montreal and Quebec City uh, in, in a very, very small, yeah. smaller version for sure. But I, I'm intrigued yeah. why coming to Bonneville was interesting for you. I mean, I look and uh, you were in small markets in Quebec, so there's uh, that's not unfamiliar for you. I mean, Roy Aranda is not a big place and yeah. Bathurst not a big place. But why Bonneville? But the thing is pretty simple. First of all, I'm at used to work in a small mar- market. When I was in Bathurst, was kind of the smallest uh, CHL market mm-hmm. in the old uh, CHL, so it's nothing different. The Bathurst was 12,000 here, it's around six or 7,000 people here. And for me, it's not about the size of the city. It's more about the quality of the organization. But the difference is because I came here to replace one of uh, my former uh, assistant coach, Brad Flynn. He is a friend of mine, and he was here at the start of the season last year, and he has a he has an issue and he, he had to go back to uh, Ontario. So he, he called me and he asked me if I, I would like to have some interest to to come to to come in Bonneville to coach in the AJHL. And he, he sold me kind of the, the organization, the league and everything. And honestly, when I, I accept to, to came here, I was very uh, impressed about our team facility. Say, I coach uh, for a while in the uh, Q League, CHL League, and here, when we are inside the building, so we have a nice uh, uh, locker room, we have a nice gym, we have a track and field, we have a cool-down room, we have a yoga room, so we have everything here under uh, the Centennial Center, so it is great. So it's easy to kind of build a plan to develop uh, each and every one. And uh, being able to do that at the same place, for me, it's, uh, it's great. So it's kind of, uh, for me, I'm still having the passion. And I'm still kind of uh, lots to, to share with uh, my players an organization and that's why I decide to to came in and, and I'm very happy and that's why I signed a two year extension uh, the last the past summer too. Yes, I, I saw that I was gonna ask you about that as well. Brad Flynn's been on the show. I know him uh, pretty well and 
Uh, so it's nice that he reached out to to bring you in. What was your first impression of Bonneville? I, I'm thinking again, you're used to smaller markets, so it's not that big of a shock. But you've got yeah. some players who, you know, a couple of guys from Illinois, one from Connect or uh, from Syracuse, New York. It must be a bit of an eye opener for them when they they get to Bonneville and they're like, well, "Where the heck am I?" Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a smallest town, but great people here to surround them. We have great billet too. So for me, like I said, it's not the size of the city. And like you said, it's kind of, we, we have a young man uh, coming from big town, but they wants to be here for, uh, to develop as a hockey player on and off the ice. And the other thing I really like being in a small market is a kind of a less distraction mm-hmm. around the, the team, around the city. But it's kind of, we, we have kind of a, uh, good restaurant here, good uh, hotel too. And we have everything necessary kind of to, to have a, a great time here. So for me, it's more about the people inside the, the city. It's not the, about the size of the city. And here is a great people uh, uh, living here and uh, they, they like uh, the Pontiac and uh, we are just kind of uh, lucky being here and uh, we have to be grateful about the opportunity to work and play for uh, AGHL team in uh, Bonneville. No, there's a lot of uh, French-speaking people in uh, in the Bonneville area. Have you found some of those? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'm very surprised. Just kind of uh, the city mayor, uh, she's talking in, in French, and sometimes mm-hmm. some people... Uh, came to see me and start uh, talking in French. So I'm kind of uh, always a bit surprised. And <laughs> I have kind of a French community around the Bunnyville here. Yesterday I was in my office. One uh, one person came in. Hey, hello, bonjour, comment ça va? So <laughs> I was kind of a surprise. And he said, no, I'm kind of um, staying here, but in the French community. So it's great kind of... Uh, Kind of having kind of French people and uh, English people at the same time. So for me, it's always fun having the chance to, to talk in French. And uh, and it's kind of pushed my comfort zone too, because it's always in English here. So help to improve my English at the same time. Well, Coach, I'm 52 years old. You're a little bit older than I am. You've been coaching since uh, just about I was in high school. I graduated in 89. You've been coaching since 1990, 91. The game has changed a lot. The players have certainly changed a lot. Do coaches have to evolve with the time? How are you a different coach today than you were 10, 15, 30 years ago uh, with the, the style of coaching that you can do these days? But it's kind of uh, even it's kind of a, you have to to improve. I'm, I'm type of person and kind of looking at everything to to get better every day. So and looking at different stuff, kind of with with the time, the game change. But for me, it's still 200 feet by 85 feet, and it's kind of uh, the the goal is to to find a way to create time possession and uh, and kind of be being good to to defend and how you're gonna do that and it's kind of for me the game is a bit uh, faster is a bit different and you have to be more I'll say more creative and I'm not doing the same type of thing I was doing uh, on the ice to 
I'm kind of uh, at use. I, I like to try new stuff too. So I'm reading and looking a lot of stuff uh, on the internet. And when I'm seeing something new, uh, I'm kind of willing to, to try it. So like this morning, I saw something very interesting yesterday on the uh, Twitter stuff. So it's kind of, uh, I tried this morning at the practice and it was a really good thrill too. So mm. it's kind of, uh, I like to say it, it's kind of a, maybe I'm thinking a lot differently and I'm doing things that the, the whole thing is still the same, but I tweak a couple of things the way I'm doing it. And the big difference is now in 2023 with the new generation, you have to talk more with them to kind of, they have to understand what you want to do and you have to talk more and uh, make sure they, they know what you, you want to do, where you want to go. And, uh, and for me, it's kind of a big difference. Uh, I, I'm working kind of closer with them and making sure they feel a part of the uh, process and they have something to say. And and it's kind of more, uh, I just want to create more uh, a family environment. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's tough love, but it's more kind of just want to make sure everyone is going to be feel comfortable to to talk and everyone's going to feel kind of part of the process. And from there we have a plan and we adjusting the plan every day. So we have kind of a, the big frame, but inside we, we are just kind of adjusting day to day and I'm making sure to work very closely with my uh, leadership group. And here I'm very fortunate. Uh, we have a great captain with uh, four really good A. So it's fun to connect with those young men to learn about them too. It's for me, it's important kind of to let them talk about what they think and what they see and what we can change here and there to help uh, our everyone and help our program to grow on the, on the right way. So that's the, for me, it's, I'm always try to be close with uh, our players, make them make sure they know they are able to talk uh, with me at any time to share what they think. And uh, I like to talk with them uh, on a regular basis. So I just want to make it clear for everyone and everyone kind of uh, is part of the process. So it's pretty fun. And like I said, now I'm, kind of more try to share all the all the experience uh, I got in the past and uh, to help them to to grow as a person as a player and to get the next level and the next level for them it's the uh, college route so and it's it's really fun to be part of that well coach uh, I really appreciate you making time like this couple of games still to go this week you play next Tuesday in Blackfalls and then uh, home in Bonneville for a Friday Saturday uh, weekend series against Canmore yep. and Olds. Uh thank you very much for doing this merci beaucoup and uh, bon chance for this season. Thank you so much. That was Mario Pouliot the head coach of the Bonneville Pontiacs out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League one of the uh, most decorated coaches 
most successful coaches in the Canadian Hockey League over the last half decade or so. Back-to-back Memorial Cup champion with uh, both Acadie Bathurst and the Ruin Noranda Huskies. Then the following season in the spring, he had a heart attack and took a, a leave of absence, took some time away from the game. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Brad Flynn, who was the son of uh, Danny Flynn, who was a longtime coach in the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, um, a lot of it with Moncton and St. John, also coached in uh, in Portland with the Winterhawks for a short time. Uh, but Brad Flynn was coaching in uh, Corpus Christi with the Ice Rays the first time he was on this show. From there he went, I think he went to the OHL and then to the WHL. It was Red Deer in the dub, but interesting how uh, he was the the person that connected the Pontiacs to Benoit Pouliot. I was always curious because you look at Pouliot and that resume, it looks like the Pontiacs have a Ferrari as a head coach to go grocery shopping. It just looks like it's a guy who is overqualified, but it's been a while since the Pontiacs were uh, a top team in the AJHL. It's been Spruce Grove and Brooks for the longest time. We'll see. He signed a new two-year extension uh, about a month and a half ago. We'll see where it takes the Pontiacs. Next up, we're going to head south of the border. And uh, Ryan Sykes from Flow Hockey is covering the USHL. The season has just gotten underway with the uh, Fall Showcase. We'll get up to speed with Ryan Sykes next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Back off to the near side. It comes for Winters. Down low, takes the return. Winters cross rank shot goal. Ingram again. Hey, this is Adam Ingram from the Youngstown Phantoms, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Score. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious, man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And, uh, of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky and uh, College Hockey Inc. for our guests south of the border, especially when we're talking about future collegians. And that's what we're going to do in this segment as we're looking at the USHL get uh, set up for uh, the season that is, uh, well, it just got underway with the Fall Classic out in Pittsburgh last week and uh, one of the uh, guys who was on hand to take that in was Ryan Sykes who is covering the league for flow hockey this year uh, Ryan welcome to the pipeline show first chance uh, we've had a to uh, meet like this I appreciate you making time how are things it's good yeah thanks for having me today pleasure to get a chance to uh, speak with you uh, when you think back to your time in Pittsburgh watching the the fall classic what's the first thing that you, you take away from that event uh well it's uh we saw Fargo and Tri-City come away with two wins out of the Western Conference. We saw Green Bay and Madison do the same thing. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, the usual suspects uh, kind of came away. And uh, Cole Iserman, uh, James Higgins for the NCTP. Um, overall, it was a really good event. Um, I thought uh, some of the younger players kind of emerged. So it's it kind of set it up for a really exciting season ahead. Cole Eiserman uh, led the leading the league in scoring right now. He's tied with two other guys, 
uh, for a top spot, but uh, five points. I know there's breaking news with him here as we're speaking that uh, he's uh, switched his uh, commitment from uh, the University of Minnesota with the Golden Gophers. Now I believe it's Boston University, uh, and he's from that neck of the woods, right? So kind of not really uh, unusual to be going to a school like that when you're from the Northeast, right? Yeah, he, uh, he obviously wanted to be a little bit closer to family, so uh wish him all the best to Boston University, and it's a shame that we probably won't get to see him with Macklin Celebrini there, uh, his fellow 2024 uh, draft selection, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but still an excellent addition for the Terriers. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Celebrity, probably one and done in the NCAA. He's going to play there this year as a freshman and then get drafted likely first overall, and then off to the NHL and Iserman. Uh, well, who knows? I mean, he he could get drafted very high this year too, and I would assume he plays a year in the uh, NCAA, but, man, could you imagine a guy like that going right into the NHL next year, do you think? Or do you think he needs uh, a year or possibly two? in the NCAA first, Eiserman. I think Cole Eiserman will play a year at Boston University, and then he'll go pro. Yeah. Um, probably a similar path that uh, Celebrini is on. But, uh, yeah, listen, I mean, Eiserman, he, the NCDP, they made, a, they made their debut, their season debut as one of the last teams, but they certainly did not disappoint. Uh, Eiserman, uh, you know, amazing in that showcase uh, the hat trick he had alone in the second period on the the final day there was just breathtaking to watch i mean he was sprung free uh by ej emery and two breakaways and then he had another one from uh, logan hensler on the the power play in the offensive zone that he kind of just sniped it past the omaha netminder so very very exciting uh, talent and i'm i'm super excited to kind of watch him develop and uh, continue to grow this year. Well, and hopefully fans got to see a lot of them last year in the USHL. I mean, the U17 squad only plays about half their season in the USHL, but it's even less than that uh, for the U18s. They'll only play 20, 25 games in the USHL this year. Uh, most of their games will be against international opponents or, or Division One opponents. So if you get a chance to go watch uh, Cole Eisenman in the U18 squad in the USHL action this year, you should probably take advantage of that while you can. Uh, who else from uh, last week's uh, Fall Classic stood out to you on an individual basis? Yeah, so uh, Kate Littler, um, Calgary Flames draft pick mm-hmm. uh, for Cedar Rapids. He made his um, team debut last year in the Clark Cup playoffs. Uh, you know, kind of went under the radar, but he had a, a breakout game against Youngstown uh, recording a hat trick at the showcase and his his hat trick uh, came in like a really unconventional way. He uh, just kind of applied a forecheck on a delayed penalty uh, in the Youngstown defensive zone. And uh, Finn McLaughlin, who's committed to Denver, kind of tried to clear the zone. And it bounced off Littler and found the back of the net. So it was a really interesting uh, hat trick that I had never seen uh, before. But um, obviously him, uh, Matt Bay Gridden out of uh, Muskegon, a 2024 draft eligible, a guy that uh, everyone should have on their radar. He finished with uh, 16 points over the final 22 games in the second half last year. Um, played really, really well at the showcase. Had a hat trick for Muskegon as well uh, at, at the showcase. Um, Adam Guyon, the netminder for the, the Blackhawks, that was the first uh 
goaltender selected in last year's draft played really really well um he had he allowed just one goal in the first game uh in his second game in a back-to-back he allowed three goals uh that all came in the second period but then he kind of just really locked it down mm-hmm. in the third period to allow uh green green bay's offense um to kind of take over and then they tied it late on uh Libor Nemec, who is an excellent addition for that gambler squad and then they won it in overtime uh you know uh, just looking at a couple of other skaters here, James Higgins, obviously, uh, he had a really good showcase. Uh, fed Logan Hensler the game-winning goal in overtime. He also had a goal in that game as well. Uh, Tom Leppa out of Fargo, he had scored on a penalty shot and then scored the next day. I already touched on Lee Bornemic, but uh, Max Nagel, I got excited about for uh, Madison. Um, it could be uh, an excellent overage selection in the 2024 uh, draft. He's a big reason why the Madison, Madison Capitals are 2-0 and for the first time in team history. He had uh, uh, two assists in Madison's opener and provided all the scoring in the team's uh, 2-1 win over Waterloo last weekend. So just a few players that uh, really stood out to me. Ryan Sykes from Flow Hockey, my guest, is he's uh, recapping what he saw at the uh... – USHL's Fall Classic last week, and you mentioned Adam Guyon and the Green Bay Gamblers. Guyon, who, as you mentioned, has played two games, gave up the three goals, but he's still got a 929 save percentage, and uh, his goals against is below uh, two right now. Sure, it's only a couple of games into the year, but after a, a great season in the North American Hockey League, you mentioned he gets drafted first goalie taken in the 2023 NHL draft. Just wasn't room for him at Minnesota Duluth this year. They've got a full complement of goalies. Uh, so he's got to make do with a, a year in the USHL before he goes to UMD next season, where I'm sure he will be the starter at that point. But uh, speaking of Green Bay, they get a nice boost here with uh, Julian Lutz. At least it should be a nice boost. He's a, a second-round pick of the Arizona Coyotes. Not a lot of offense uh, over the last few years, but two of those seasons were playing professionally back in Germany. Uh, what are your expectations for Lutz uh, once he moves and uh, joins the Gamblers? Yeah, so that was a really good uh, surprise addition for them. He's kind of reassigned from uh, Arizona the Coyotes to Green Bay. He's got good size, uh, six foot two, 187, I believe. But he can skate well. He's pretty offensive minded at this point. I think he needs to clean up his defensive game a little, a little bit. But uh, that's what uh, the USHL is for. I think he's going to be an awesome addition for. Um, what is looking to be a pretty stacked uh, Green Bay team. I, re- I really liked what they did, um, like I said uh, earlier, with uh, adding Lee Bornemic uh, late in preseason, uh, obviously to kind of replace uh, Jimmy Clark going into the University of Minnesota. But, yeah, just, uh, you got Lev Katzen, too, there as well. So Julian Lush should fit right into their offensive game. I really like it. I'm not sure how long you've been covering the USHL for. It just seems... I was surprised by it because it's a guy who's played pro for a couple of years, so he can't go to the NCAA. Usually that means USHL teams aren't adding guys like that. Uh, So I was a little surprised that he's going to the USHL rather than the OHL. Now, I know the Sioux Greyhounds drafted him in the import draft. I don't know if they still hold his rights. They they do have two imports already on their roster, so I don't know that they, they had room for him or if they could make a deal. Uh, anywhere, but I'm a little bit surprised that he ends up in the USHL. Has this happened before, where guys who have played pro overseas for as many as two years are going to the USHL now? Yeah, I mean, you see it. Uh, I'm not. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you see 
I see guys like uh, Martin Musiak is a, a recent example uh, coming over from Slovakia last year and joined the Youngstown Phantoms. Uh, was a big boost for them uh, in the second half, midseason acquisition, and uh, uh, provided uh, ten points in nine games in their playoff run, and I put them over the hump. In, in my opinion, well, interesting guy that, to bring up because uh, he did that to get the exposure to, and uh, gets drafted first overall in the CHL import draft and is now playing for the Erie Otters of the Ontario Hockey League. So interesting uh, to, to bring that name up. Uh, what are you expecting from the USHL this season? Any particular teams that you think are head and shoulders above the pack? It's very early on, but preseason prognostications, are you, are you looking for one or two teams in particular? Yeah, so uh, Fargo, uh, they lost a lot from last year, but they still return a good group. Um, I really, really like what Tri-City brings to the table. Obviously, you have Tre- Trevor Connolly, um, who had an exceptional second half of last year playing alongside uh, Buffalo Sabres draft pick Jake Richard. Now he's kind of um, taken the next step in his development. Obviously, comes with the checkered past, as you know. Um, but uh, we saw his skill in the second half last year. We saw his skill at the Holenka for Team USA and uh, I believe he just had one point at the USHL Fall Classic, but he's a consistent play driver, um, just really creative offensively, uh, gets a lot of his players involved. He can just create essentially plays that uh, come out of nothing. It's just um, we saw that a lot last year. We saw that uh, just in the two games this year. So I think with him, and uh, August Falloon, and they also made a really kind of underrated acquisition in Zach Beatty, uh, Western Michigan commit, um, very late in preseason. He was the only player on Tri-City got a nameplate, if that tells you how late the acquisition was. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really like them. really like uh, Tri-City Storm, along with their goaltending as well, and Cameron Corpy. Um, came over from the North American League midseason last year, really stabilized the net, along with Patrick Burzens, who's now in Madison. So Corby will get the opportunity to showcase himself as a number one goaltender before going to Western. But they have a really good loaded team. Sioux Falls, another team that I think is really good out of the West. They they played, played really well in two games. Um, overtime loss to Tri-City in the second game. But uh, Chris Pelosi, Boston Bruins draft pick. Same thing with Beckett Hendrickson. Uh, former NTTP standout, uh, but then obviously have their uh, their backstop by um, Caleb Hale, who played very very well at the Holinka. Um I thought he kept that team that candidate game against Canada from being like a fifteen to two type game. I thought he kind of stood on his head and played really well. So I'm looking for them to kind of emerge out of the out of the West. But in the East, uh, it's nice to. Nice to see Madison kind of start two and zero after their difficult year last year. Yeah, uh, like I said, Max Nagel has kind of have emerged as um, a key piece for them, and uh, obviously a 2024 defenseman, uh, Will Felicio at the back end there in Green Bay is pretty loaded as well. So excited to see that. Uh, the Youngstown Phantoms are the defending champs. They start 0-2. I know they've lost a, a bunch from last year's team. Some guys going off to college. Kente Isogai moving up to the Western Hockey League and Martin Misiak, who you referenced before, moving up to the Ontario Hockey League. Are they? Is this a rebuild now for, for Youngstown, or do they still have enough pieces that they can be in the mix again? 
Yeah, so I think uh, I actually spoke with the head coach, Ryan Ward, uh, late uh, this past week, and um, I think we're kind of seeing uh, what we saw at the early stages of last year. I think they still have the key pieces uh, in place to defend their title. Obviously, they need players uh, equivalent of like a William Whitelaw or Shane LaChance or Andon Serbone um, to kind of step up this year, but... Uh, they welcome Owen Bartoskevich back from the University of Minnesota for another year of development. Andrew Stratman now steps into a captain role. Mm-hmm. Um, to the two tender signings that they had last year, Sasha Bamedian and uh, Zach Morin, I think uh, they're going to—they're just going to need time, right? I mean, we saw uh, what Sasha is capable on the power play at that big uh, one-time blast on the power play, fed from uh, Strathman, but you know. They made some really nice moves in bringing in experienced forwards and uh, Charlie Serrato out of the Phase 2 draft pick. Um, they also yeah, brought in uh, Mikey Burchill from uh, Dubuque and Nathan Lewis from Madison. So I think uh, there's enough pieces there. It's just going to take some time at all. And then there's the Chicago Steel. It used to be an automatic, uh, at least, that we were thinking they'd be the top team in the conference, if not the entire league. We haven't mentioned Chicago yet. Uh, what are you expecting from the Steel this year? Yeah, so for the first time in a while, the Steel are, are turning over their entire top six forwards. Uh, obviously, they lose a big piece, and uh, Macklin Celebrini, who's going to be at BU this year, making his debut a little bit later than expected uh, after undergoing uh, off-season shoulder surgery. Um, but they do feature uh, tender signing, Lucas Sauchin, and uh, they'll get a full year out of Michael Hage, who had... Uh, uh, he had really good production in the time that he was available for down the stretch. Um, but yeah, it, it's, they're going to be an interesting group to watch. I think they're going to be a team that just requires a little bit of extra time. Um, but I do like the pieces that they have there and they have a third year netminder and Christian Mann's very underrated Augustana commit who, uh, I believe he stopped 40 out of 42 shots in the team's opening, um, debut. So, uh, look for their goaltending to kind of carry them for a bit, but I think uh, in, in due time, um, their their young forwards, along with their experienced decor, along with uh, Michael Hagens, who returns, uh, going to have them kind of step up, and I think we'll see them kind of emerge in the second half. Ryan, what do you uh, got coming out at Flow Hockey? You're going to be covering the USHL all season, I assume. Uh, anything in the in the works that we should watch for in the near future? Uh, so yeah, I. Um, Kind of did a, a piece on uh, um, Youngstown doing their banner raising ceremony. Obviously, uh, an important piece for the team's history this Saturday night. Uh, like I said, I spoke with uh, head coach Ryan Ward about that, so very excited to release that. Um, I'll have a kind of a bi or not bi weekly, but uh, power rankings. Just my 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 teams uh, twice a month that I feel are in the top spot. So. Mm-hmm. Um, look for that. Uh, I got a really cool piece coming out probably next week on the Hagens brothers and the commitments to Boston College. So uh, really excited to share that piece after speaking with both of them. So um, that's kind of uh, what's on the, um, the horizon, but a lot going on too as well. Outstanding. Well, Ryan, I hope you don't mind if I call you again a couple of times throughout the season. Yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. I'm happy to uh, to speak with you and love talking about this league that's a, continues to be a great uh, avenue for the NHL draft and collegiate as well.
Ryan Sykes from Flow Hockey getting us set for the upcoming season in the United States Hockey League uh, with a recap of what he saw at the Fall Classic out in Pittsburgh, which has become a, a pretty popular event. I did see the Julian Lutz uh, notice on Twitter, and uh, I, th- I think it was Chris Peters that I actually saw posting it first, so I uh, made the comment to him, too, that I was surprised that he would go to the USHL, having played a couple of seasons of pro hockey, not qualified to play in the NCAA anymore, so why the USHL instead of uh, the CHL, which plays a, a much more pro schedule? Chris, who I have a lot of respect for, suggests that uh, it, that it was his understanding that it was a decision between he and the Arizona Coyotes who drafted him. Chris says, personally reasonable, as the Coyotes can continue to assess and offer him a contract after the season, and that he wouldn't be the first to go to the, from the USHL right to the American Hockey League. Uh, that also would be the case if he played in the OHL this year, so that, that really has no impact. He's drafted from outside of the CHL, so he can play in the American Hockey League as a 19-year-old. No problem. Still seems a little weird to me. Did also catch that the Wenatchee Wild of the Western Hockey League, who have a glut of 2003-born players, they have to get it down to only three. One of the guys they've parted ways with is a goaltender Mason Bopit, who is a fourth-round selection of the San Jose Sharks in the 2022 NHL draft. So not this past one, but the one 15 months ago. I'm assuming that Wenatchee tried to trade his rights in the uh, Western Hockey League. There were no takers. Uh, Bopit is... Basically a backup as a 20-year-old. Not many teams in the WHL will have a 20-year-old starter, let alone a backup. But I am surprised to see that he is ending up in the USHL with the Muskegon Lumberjacks. Usually a guy would go on waivers across the CHL and uh, somebody from the Q or the OHL would be able to add him. It just seems like a fourth-round selection in the NHL draft would have a little bit more value for Wenatchee. Not that you could trade him to the Q, but your releases rights... I guess in this situation, I don't know this for a fact, but if he goes to the USHL instead of another CHL league, they would still hold his CHL playing rights. Unless something changes in the next, there's an October 10th deadline, maybe a a spot in the WHL opens up and a team comes calling, and then they can still trade him. I guess that's a possibility. But Mason Bopit apparently on the way to Muskegon to play for the Lumberjacks this year we got one more segment to go on this week's episode. It's going to be an NCAA campus report. Last week, we looked at the NCHC conference. This week, it's the CCHA, Jack Hittinger from USCHO. He is our guide, and we'll do that next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Here comes Jaden Schwartz, pulls the trigger, pants into the deck, he scores! What a finish! Yeah, this kid's just special. Jaden Schwartz is just a special, special player. Hi, this is Jaden Schwartz from Colorado College. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Race through the crowded stadium with sweat pouring a glass of crisp cold beer refreshes my webpage, but the computer crashes into another car who instinctively grabs the release on my chute and hits the bedside alarm. Apparently, it's time to wake up. Ignite imagination. Advertising on the Pipeline Show works. Who listens to the Pipeline Show? People like you. Share the story of your business with targeted customers. Contact Guy directly at guy at thepipelineshow.com. 
You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hello there, children. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Looks like this will be the final episode for, or the final segment for this week's episode, and it will be a, a campus report segment uh, brought to you, of course, by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family, there are things you need to know which you can and can't do to maintain your eligibility. Good friends over at College Hockey, Inc. Uh, will answer any questions that you might have uh, about that. So uh, get in contact with Mike Snee or the crew, and uh, they will uh, answer those questions that you might have. All right, we're going to look at the CCHA conference uh, this week, and uh, as the NCAA Division One schedule gets uh, closer and closer. And to help me go through the CCHA conference, it's Jack Hittinger from the from USCHO. Uh, Jack, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. It's been a long time. You've been on the program once before, but uh, boy, it seems like it's seven or eight years ago at this point. Thanks for making time. Yeah, I think that was another conference ago, and uh, I was still <laughs> living up in Bemidji, Beavers full time. So uh, it's been a lot of changes. Well, a lot of changes for sure. Uh, let's get right to it. The CCHA. It's uh, nine teams now, but uh, only one uh, or one of them doesn't really count for. The uh, preseason polls and things like that, which we've uh, seen uh, with the coaches and the media preseason polls. Maybe we'll start with that. Augustana is the new team. Uh, why do they not uh, factor into this? That's for the, uh, the the casual fans who might be listening. I didn't know the answer to this either. So educate everybody. Well, they're they're transitioning up to Division One hockey uh, starting this year because they're such a brand new program. I think when the league decided to vote them in, they decided to, for the first two years, sort of ease them in and have them play like a half schedule. So they'll play one series against each team um, this year and then flip those home and away dates next year and do the same thing. And then I think 2026 is when they will start being a full member of the conference. Uh, Games will count for the pairwise. So anybody that plays them, it'll still count towards NCAA. It just won't count towards the CCHA. That's all according to Don Lucia. We we talked to him about that a little bit, and he confirmed that. So um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting, a pretty exciting move. They've got a nice arena that they're building out there, and I think it's a pretty mm-hmm. underserved market, Alachaki. So I think they're going to be pretty good pretty quickly because uh, their other sports are pretty good in Division Two, um, and they're in, have a nice little private school. Uh, they're a Lutheran school, so they have a nice little sports program there. Okay. Well, we'll look to see how uh, Augustana fares this year and uh, full members uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, the eight teams then that uh, do factor into the uh, coaches' poll and the media poll, uh, I found it interesting that the coaches' poll, there were only two teams, I guess three. No, that can't be right. Three teams. St. Thomas received a first-place vote in the coaches' poll. Uh, from... Joe Shahan, and he told us that during his media availability last week. Uh, we asked him about it, and he said, I voted for St. Thomas. I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, I actually agree with him. I think they're going to be a lot better than they have been the past couple of years. Right. Um, they've got a lot of pretty good recruits coming in. Um, they've got a couple guys back that are going to be pretty strong. I know they lost their leading scorer to Michigan, but uh, they got a guy, Mac Byers, who I think is going to be a pretty good player for them. They got their top goaltender back. Um, they're also building a new arena that's going to be open next year. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're located in St. Paul, right close to probably, probably all the best Minnesota recruits, I think they're going to be a very attractive program for <laughs> uh, pretty soon here. And I think they're going to give give teams a pretty, pretty uh, strong push 
um, even though they can't technically compete in the NCAA tournament yet. <laughs> right. Well, it, I found it interesting that they're fifth in the coaches' poll and uh, I think sixth in the media poll, and yet they still garnered one first-place vote. That, I find yeah. that pretty interesting, but you think they're going to be competitive. It's been a couple of years of you know short-term pain for long-term gain, I guess, uh, but now they should, this is year three, the program should start finding its legs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Rico Blasi is their head coach, and he has a track record at Miami. Um, so I think uh, I think people are already getting kind of scared of what they're going to be able mm. to do. All right, well, let's start, start at the top. I know we'll, we'll skip over St. Thomas as we go down, but uh, Michigan Tech uh, gets four first-place votes from the coaches and uh, 11 from the media. That would be the team that I would throw my vote towards, too, if I had one. But uh, tell me about the Huskies, and it seems like uh, since uh, Minnesota State lost their coach and uh, half their roster uh, to Wisconsin, <laughs> Michigan Tech's almost like an easy pick. Yeah, uh, they're who I voted for in that uh, media poll. Um, I think they're pretty safe pick. Um, I mean, they've got the top, probably arguably one of the top goaltenders in the country back with Blake Pietola. Um, he was the CCHA goaltender of the year last mm-hmm. year, obviously. Um, and they have uh, Kyle Kukkonen, who was last year's CCHA Rookie of the Year back. Um, I think he was actually my vote for uh, CCHA Player of the Year. Um, we'll get to who that was later. Yeah. But um, uh, they've got uh, Ryland Mo- like most of their top line. Uh, Ryland Mosley's back. Uh, uh, Blake Pietel's brother Logan's back. They have a lot of top scorers that are back, and most of their defense. So I think it's. I mean, it's. I think it's a pretty slam dunk pick that they're the team to beat. Um, obviously, you never know what's going to happen when the games play out, and I do think that their head coach Joe Shahan might be might have been a little like he doesn't want to get them too high right um just kind of like that underdog mentality up, up, up there in the up um and that's sort of what they thrive on so uh i think they're but I, I think they're definitely the top dogs in the conference no pun intended it, it wasn't quite unanimous but uh i think northern michigan is by far and away the number two rated team uh, coming into the preseason certainly from the media uh, it would be that way. Uh, what do you like about the Wildcats? Yeah, they've got uh, they've got a lot of scoring back too. I know Andre Gantus is one of their top go to guys. Um, a lot of people really like him. I like him too. Uh, I don't think he was on my top uh, top three forwards of the year list, but he's definitely up there. Um, they, I think the rink uh, they used to play at the, uh, one of the big rinks, and they are transitioning to playing in. Or uh, from the big rink to the smaller rink, so they're not going to be one of the weird outliers that has the Olympic size rink anymore. So that I think is going to change their game a little bit, maybe make them a little bit more of a uh, like hard hitting defensive team and not so much of a uh, get up and down. You, you know how the sort of the uh, Olympic style right. teams would play. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that affects their style of play, but. Uh, I don't know. I, they were so close to beating Mankato last year in that uh, CCHA tournament mm-hmm. final. Uh, they should have. They should have beat Mankato. To tell you the truth, um, and it was only because they were in that building in Mankato that uh, sort of they got a bounce go the other way, and then it was uh, it was off. Uh, I think uh, Grant Petulli knows knows what he's doing, and <laughs> I think he's going to be true to that now. And uh, I'm sure that he's got them ready for playing that different style of hockey on that smaller rink. 
All right, Michigan Tech 1, Northern Michigan 2, and, well, this gets interesting. Bowling Green, 10 days ago, uh, was voted as the number three team in the preseason poll for both the coaches and the media. Uh, their top scorer from last year, uh, who looks at least on paper to be their best player by far, would be Austin Swankler, who is no longer uh, in Bowling Green uh, because he's left the program. He's now at Michigan Tech with the Huskies. Uh, head coach is suspended. They've got three players who are suspended. What the heck has happened at Bowling Green over the last 10 days? Yeah, uh, I think it's been pretty confusing for everybody in the media as well. Um, you know, we voted on those polls, I think, two weeks ago now. Uh, and then on Monday, the poll, last Monday, the polls came out. Uh, I think the coach's poll came out first, and everyone was – nobody was really surprised at who won uh, with uh, – uh, Michigan Tech being on top, and I mean, even with Swankler being the co-preseason player of the year, um, and then sort of in between when the coaches poll and the media poll came out, it was announced that Austin Swankler was entering the transfer portal, and that sort of sent a the shockwave around the media, and where nobody was act sure what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the media poll came out, and then it was announced that Bowling Green, those three players, and the coach were suspended due to a uh, alleged hazing incident. Um, so then the next day we had our preseason media poll or uh, preseason media conference uh, on Zoom. And when it was Bowling Green's turn, they had uh, their assistant coach uh, who's going to be their interim coach is uh, Curtis Carr. And one of their assistant athletic directors and the athletic director basically said that we weren't allowed to ask about the incident or about Austin Spikler. So that made it a little bit difficult yeah. Uh asking him sort of generalities about his team now that they sort of had this adversity that they have to go through and nobody, nobody really knows still exactly who has been suspended or exactly what the investigation is. Um, I do know that BG two or three years ago had a death of a student at a fraternity party that was a hazing incident. So I think this, these sorts of, things strike a chord with them now. I mean, they should have then, but I think even more now they're even more attuned to their, uh, the, the campus community is more attuned to these sort of incidents of taking them more seriously. So I think that's why there's so much um, immediate uh, suspensions and all, all this sort of thing going on. Um, now, people were originally saying that they weren't sure if Austin Swankler's entering the transfer portal was connected to the hazing incident, and then it turns out that he tweeted himself that it was, that he was the, he was a victim of some of these, uh, I think he said that he was the victim of some of these uh, hazing incidents. Mm-hmm. I don't want to misquote him, but... Um, Basically, that was sort of a, another bombshell. So no no one really knows the whole story because no one is really talking to the media about it. Right. Um, and I think that uh, um, there was a lot of social media speculation and uh, students and people from the community of Bowling Green were saying things about many different things. And I don't, I don't, I don't think you should really put a lot of stock into a lot of those sorts of things. Um, we did find out earlier this week that Swankler uh, had announced his destination and he's going to transfer to Michigan Tech, which is sort of another wrinkle that <laughs> puts puts into, I think, that makes Michigan Tech even more of a favorite. Right. Um, 
they won't get him until December, uh, this, until the end of the first semester. But just looking at a top line of uh, Mosley, Swankler, and uh, Kukin, and that's pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty dangerous line. You got to think. Um, now, who knows? Who knows how it's all going to work out? I'm sure there's still more that it needs is going to be uncovered, and uh, it would be interesting to see how he fits into Coach Shahan's system. I know they play a slightly different system to Bowling Green. They don't. They don't usually typically have a lot of high-scoring tech guys. They're more of a defensive team than Bowling Green has been. So that's going to be interesting just to see see how he fits. But yeah, as, as far as Bowling Green goes, uh, I still like we still don't even know who's being suspended. So I'm not even sure who exactly they have back so that they're going to be able to use. Um, it's been kind of confusing in that way. Um, there's not a whole lot of information to go on, and they open their season. Um, uh, next Sunday against Robert Morris. So I guess we'll find out uh, who's playing and who's not uh, next Sunday. Well, and we know head coach Ty Eigner is is suspended. Uh, I think the wording is he's on administration administrative leave in response to the hazing incident. Don't know how long that is or how long the actual investigation will take place, but this is serious enough. This could this could potentially cost him his job. No. Uh, you would think so, but I like like I said, I don't really want to speculate because I I don't really know exactly what has happened, and I haven't been able to file any sort of FOIA request or anything about okay. it. Okay. As for Swankler and and leaving and and his uh, account of why he was leaving because uh, he didn't want to be a part of this ho- hockey culture that the program uh, had sort of adopted, uh, and he he mentioned that he was a victim of hazing. I didn't take that as that he was a victim of the hazing that happened two weeks ago. But when he was a rookie with the team, that would have made more sense. I've never been involved with the sports team, so I don't know when it happens. But my understanding is it's usually the rookies, the first-year guys, who have to do go through the the hazing process. Does, does that not make sense? See, I'm not even sure if I, you can say that definitively whether right. this that he's talking about or if he was the victim in this instance or if there was another victim. I mean, I just think there's so many there's so many. Uh, Things that we don't know that right. I don't think I would speculate on on that on which whether what part of the incident he was part of. Okay, not I, I probably safe not to speculate about that. Sure, nobody's been able to get any comments from him or um, like on the record about this sort of thing. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That was just my read that it was probably something he went through and he didn't want to be a part of hazing other people and didn't want it to go on and, and so has left the program. That was my read, but that's. Uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. Uh, as we go down the list uh, for the CCHA uh, conference polls uh, in the preseason, Bemidji State uh, is the number four team uh, after, I mean, again, this is with Bowling Green two weeks ago. Bemidji State uh, is next, and uh, depending on who you look at, because the media likes Minnesota State a little bit better. Do you see it kind of after the top two teams? It, it gets uh, a little bit more like a soft middle. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I personally was higher on St. Thomas and Bemidji than Bowling Green and Mankato in my poll. Okay. But um, like you said, it's kind of a soft middle. I think they're pretty interchangeable. Um, I mean, Bemidji State has probably another one of the best forwards in the league in Leighton Road, um, and he's coming back uh, as a sophomore. He was a really good freshman last year. I think he had uh, 13 goals. Yeah, 13 goals, 18 and 5th. And then they have they lost their top two defensemen, 
Elias Rosen and Wills Molick. And, uh, I mean, they were probably played nearly every, like, big moment for the Beavers in the past five years together. They've been together as a pairing for a long time. So those those two are going to be big losses. But I think they have almost their entire rest of their decor back. And they also added um, Eric Polkamp, who was a really highly touted prospect who was drafted by San Jose, I believe, um, in this year's this past year's draft. Right. I think that's the first pick that the Beavers had in probably 10 years. So the, he's a pretty exciting player. He's a localish kid from Brainerd up north in Minnesota. So he, I think, is going to add a lot to their blue line as well. Um, and he was the, the league's preseason rookie of the year. So I think everyone's pretty excited about to see what he could do. Jack, how does Minnesota State recover from the loss of their coach and him taking, or so many players at least following him uh, to Wisconsin? I mean, how many guys are, are back? Every team loses, you know, their graduates every year, and there were some notable ones uh, for uh, Minnesota State last season. Where are they now? Is this almost like a complete rebuild? Uh, pretty much, maybe not totally. I know they got a couple guys back. I mean, they got their goalie back, Keenan Rancier, who was pretty good down yep. the stretch for them. Um, everybody else is a lot of role players that are going to have to step up. Um, Lucas Souter is probably the the guy on the team with the most experience. Uh, he had 14 points last season, so <laughs> obviously he was not on the top line. Um, they've also got a guy, Sam Morton, who was having a pretty good season last year, but he only played 10 games and he got injured. Um, and he, I think, will be back. He'll, he's probably going to be their top top scorer, would be my bet. Um, but yeah, I mean, they lost, I think, five guys went to Wisconsin, something like that, uh, with uh, with Coach Hastings. So it's got, I know everybody in Mankato was a little bit miffed not necessarily that Hastings left because I think there was a point where he needed to leave for greener pastures a little bit and just sure. bigger programs. But the fact that he was able to take so many of his players, I think that left a little bit of a sour taste in their mouths. Yeah. Um, I'm for, I'm four player movements and I, I think it's probably good, but it seem it does seem a little bit, uh, I don't even want to say shady. It just seems like kind of a, annoying thing if you're a fan to have that happen your coach takes your best players with you to the bigger school right and that could be a conference rival that's not too far away from you um and i mean there are plenty of wisconsin fans around here in minnesota too so you'll i'm sure that they are uh jabbering back and forth with each other but yeah it's gonna be tough to see what they're see what they're gonna do i think the big thing that they have going for them is uh, they're still a pretty good team at home, so it's going to be interesting to see if the, that sort of form, home fortress for them can uh, will them to some games that maybe they wouldn't normally win, but just because their fan their fan base has been so consistently good through these Hastings years. Um, I know they added a couple of strong uh, transfers, too, from the portal that should give them some experience at least when they won't be all uh, younger guys. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough. <laughs> well, I, I wish the best for Luke Strand. He's a good coach, but first year as a head coach at this level, and uh, to, he's kind of, it, it, you described it, it's kind of a rebuild there. So uh, we might have to have some patience uh, while he turns the program around and really puts his thumbprints uh, on it moving forward. 
Jack, that leaves us with Ferris State and Lake Superior State. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of expectation uh, for either of those two programs to have uh, surprisingly banner years or something. Uh, I know they're both uh, the bottom two teams in uh, the respective polls. Uh, is there one storyline above everything else, though, that at this point, as season's just about to start here next weekend, you were talking about for for a program or two. Is there one thing in particular you're, you're looking forward to this year? I mean, I think the fact that um, I mean, Mankato has been so consistent in this league and the WZHA the past 10 years um, since realignment, basically. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see somebody new. I mean, there's, there's that's not to say that the Mavericks can't win the league or be a good team, but I just think that this sort of leaves the door wide open for the first time mm-hmm. since uh, – league has been reconstituted i know i mean the only other team to have won the mcnaughton cup outright was bemidji states since realignment uh that was probably seven years ago um michigan tech tied mankato one year as well but this could be the year that we see somebody brand new that hasn't won it yet so that's i think that's an exciting thing yeah um i think the fact that it could be i mean i think it could be st thomas uh the fact that they're such a strong program i think is exciting um, I think, like I said, Michigan Tech is going to be exciting, especially at second semester. Michigan Tech with Austin Swankler on that line. Um, I think they're going to be a very fun team to watch um, just because of what they have back. And they have so many more scoring options than maybe they normally do. So they might even be a more high-octane offense than we're used to seeing from Michigan Tech. But I would circle, um, just going back to Bowling Green, I would circle February 23rd and 24th on your calendars there because that's when Michigan Tech plays at Bowling Green in Ohio. Um, I think that might even be – no, that's not their only series, but that's their only series uh, on the road against Bowling Green. Right. So I think that will be a fun one. Must-see TV, that one. Yeah. Well, Jack, this has been terrific. We are all set now for the start of the CCHA season. Thank you for your time. I hope you don't mind if I call you again. Yeah, no problem. Jack Hittinger from USCHO with a great setup of the CCHA conference of the NCAA this year. Man, what a chaotic mess, especially around Bowling Green and the uh, the Falcons hockey program right now. Head coach suspended, three players suspended, their best player from a year ago, Bolts for a conference rival, Michigan Tech, and I don't blame him. And you know what? I'm glad that Austin Swankler is speaking out. To some degree. I mean, he's been quoted a couple of times in a couple of different articles that I've seen, and he's uh, been a little bit vocal on uh, Twitter as well, or social media, and good for him. I'm on record. I don't know how many times I've said it. I do not understand hazing. I don't know how anybody thinks that is a team-building exercise. To me, all it does is rip teams apart, and that's player on player. That's outright assault, and I don't know what the circumstances are in this particular case, but some of the stuff we've heard at uh, other leagues where it's absolutely criminal behavior, I, I think the charges, well, legal charges, if necessary, or the penalties, the fines that these people who are in positions of power and responsibility, those penalties have to be significant if we're ever going to put an end to this stuff. So uh, really intrigued to see what happens here with Bowling Green. And I wish uh, Swankler all the best. I've seen some people on Twitter who... I think they're just kind of taking jabs at him because he's been outspoken about the program. I don't know him. I've never spoken with him. But some people suggesting that he's a problem and has been a problem at other areas. 
I don't know that that's the case. I know he played a season for the Erie Otters and then COVID hit and there was that entire year off in the OHL. Then he turns up in the NCAA and I think he did that probably because you can sit out an entire year and I'm sure that's what he did during the OHL's COVID year where there was no hockey. Guessing he went from Erie to Bowling Green, was on campus, took classes for that entire season. Pretty smart actually. Uh, But now a member of the Michigan Tech Huskies who, yeah, I'm with uh, Jack. I think that is easily the top team in the conference this year we'll see that's going to do it for this week's episode of the program thought there might be a fourth guest that was trying to get somebody on to discuss the well another ugly situation the western hockey league suspending kevin constantine Uh, i'll address that in the opening segment of this week's episode if you missed it but i thought i might be able to get somebody to come on and discuss that because what i've heard isn't great and just another case of that quote-unquote hockey culture that has to get cleaned up anyway i hope you enjoyed this week's episode thank you to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show seven day free trials are available if you want to test it out that's what a trial is for next week on the program well just about everybody will be underway with regular season stuff we'll continue profiling and previewing the upcoming ncaa season thinking it's probably time for big 10 or hockey east maybe both which conference would you like to hear first? Let me know on Twitter, at TPS underscore Gee. All right, time to get out of here. Between now and next week, get out and watch some junior college hockey if you can so that we can talk about it right here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name's Gee Flaming. See ya. See ya.